Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Shares for beginners. Weekend watch list. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watch List, where we'll be taking a close look at an individual company, sector or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watch list. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value. And joining me today is Joshua Baker from Capital H Management. G'day, how's it going, Josh? Not too bad, Phil. Thanks for having me on. That's good. Looking forward to the haircut out of lockdown, I think. Oh, sure am. (laughs) Sure am. And so today we're going to be talking about Environmental Group, ASX code, AGL. The Environmental Group Limited is an engineering firm specialising in environmental solutions for heavy industry in Australia and internationally. The business comprises five divisions with differing areas of focus covering solutions for gas power generation through waste management and recycling. Can you simplify that for us non-engineers? Yeah, sure can. So, um, EGL Group comprises five divisions, Baltic, TAPC, Tomlinson, Energy Services, and then the newer divisions being Water and Waste. So with the Baltic division, they provide a range of engineering services, uh, exhaust outlets for gas generation units. It is pretty specialised areas that they do in that. Tomlinson does boilers. You know, boilers are used to heat buildings, commercial hospitals, and the like, and steam can also be utilised in laundry, you know, again, hotels, hospitals will have a few different functions there. The TAPC provides, you know, special emissions control units and similar broad segment of that. So, you know, refinery operations for battery metals, uh, you have very tough environmental standards for air pollution that can come out. So, their control units can scrub the pollutants that come out so it's clean air and you meet these standards. So, they're the three core divisions and they are very specialised in there. I try my best to understand them and explain them, but, um, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I think I've got a grasp and and hopefully people got a grasp from that too. So they've been around for a hundred years, obviously not doing the same thing for a hundred years. Yeah. The TAPC division's the the core division that's been around for a while, but the rest of the company's pretty much been built up over the eight years. So Baltec was vended in in around 2013, and that was set up by Ellis Richardson. It was actually an on and off again uh, managing director until earlier this year when he fully stepped away from the business. The Tomlinson Energy Services business was picked up from RCR out of admin in late 2019, just tied little business to get. Water Division was a product of internal R&D, and even they say they got lucky having a solution for the PFAS because they were trying to work out a solution to clean different things out of water and the waste is division only came about earlier this year post the admission of jason as the new md and you know he brought that agreement along in relationship with termic so it sounds like one of those uh, kind of companies that should be featured on just about any esg etf uh, or a portfolio for people who are interested in this kind of thing because it's all about environmental solutions isn't it yeah that 
big angle is environmental. If it wasn't an ESG fund or ETF, I'd love it because there's a ton of money floating around and it probably ran the stock up a lot. <laughs> That's right. I'd look smart for no good reason, but it is definitely tying into a lot of you know these ESG trends. You know, even with Boltec and what they do with gas generation. Gas generation is a bridging technology for renewables. There's a lot of build-out across the world, particularly in Asia, and you've had a lot of advances in technology and gas gen to the point where, you know, in Australia, we're used to them as being peakers in Queensland, where they come on and off again for power surges and managing the grid. You know, a lot of other places around the world, you put a heat reclamation unit on, which is IP and technology that Baltic can help with. So hang on, just explain that so that they're just taking the heat out of building or something and then... Oh, no, the gas generator. Oh, the gas generator itself, yeah. Yeah, so when you get a proper gas generator um, and you burn gas, turn a turbine and and generate electricity, you'd normally get efficiency of around 30 to 35%. And they give off a lot of heat in that process of burning. So a heat reclamation unit can be put on or attached to a generator. And when you do that, they call it a CCGT, which is a closed cycle gas turbine. And then you get around 60% efficiency because you capture all that heat to run a secondary steam turbine that generates electricity. So dramatically increases the efficiency, you get a lot more bang for buck out of running gas, and you can use that for baseload rather than peaking. So it actually makes a big change into how a gas generator can be used as part of a grid. And it's um, part of the uh, transition bridging technology to renewables, isn't it? Because gas, I believe, doesn't give off as much CO2 emissions as um, coal-fired powered, for example. Yeah, and it's a lot cleaner. A lot of people don't realise with coal you get sulfur, mercury, there's a lot of regulations that reduce that polluting coming in, heavy metals. So it's cleaner, leaner. So it's not just CO2, but it's even, you know, cleanliness of air. And I think whilst this whole decarbonisation thematic going on globally, you know, everyone's focused on the CO2, there's a lot of other just general health benefits from having cleaner air as you get rid of coal and oil and, you know, gas will eventually go, but it is that bridging solution to step change. Yeah, to provide baseload power. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I heard you correctly, but you were talking about with the waste. Are they one of these kind of companies that takes the gases out of waste and turns that into power as well? No. Uh, Maybe they've got a boiler unit. You can do it. So in the boiler business, it's generally steam for heat or steam uses internally. You can have a biomass boiler that you can use for power gen, and that's a growing trend as well. And the company's tendering for those sort of deals. So you get a lot of groups, you know, who might have biomass waste, so rice growers, things like that, where you got husk and, and waste. And now there's a, an economic incentive where you burn it and generate power for yourself or, and even export it to the grid if you put a big enough boiler in, depending on the waste you produce as well. But in terms of the sort of the waste management side of the waste division, it's a, a partnership with a company called Termic, who are a big group out of Ireland, pretty well known in Europe, and they have some of the most efficient recycling plants in the world. So in Australia, I think anywhere between 70 or 80% of the plastics will ultimately be recovered and the rest sort of gets waste or or can't be recovered and goes to landfill and and they've got plant performance well into the 90% range. So, you know, as regulations tighten up in Australia, there's a much bigger focus on recycling as much as possible and the cost of landfill and disposing of whatever you don't, it costs you money. It could be a big capex cycle and an incentive for people to upgrade their plants to termic solutions as well. And uh, what's the size of this company? Probably trading at around 45 mil market cap. They've got guidance to do about 3.8 mil 
EBITDA. So EBITDA is just 12 times based on guidance. I think the guidance will be conservative. So a very small company. Yeah, it's very small, not too expensive. You know, stock has done well in the last two months since they reported and gave guidance and had a pretty clean second half compared to the first half given the way COVID impacted that business as well. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. even though it's not a recommendation to buy, but uh, what do you like about it? Well, the upside, potential. Um, you know, the Baltic business should do well because of that trend with gas, so it should plot along, do quite well. You know, the Thompson, a similar story for the Thompson, the Tomlinson Energy Services business, um, you know, a lot of demand for boilers, upgrade cycles. They're one of the larger providers, so you just get incremental demand. Uh, they've got a strong order book as well, so it sort of signals there's, there's a healthy pipeline. But the, the key areas of this business that we like at Capital H is the TAPC business. So there's a massive CapEx cycle coming in, lithium refineries, rare earth refineries, gold, sulfide ore bodies, pretty big. A lot of those will get developed. Their units go in there. You know, done work for Northern Star at Calgold or KCGM. And I think even nickel refineries, copper so you know there's a big trend there driven by this mining cycle which is in part driven by this decarbonization cycle so it's sort of a second or third derivative beneficiary but you know it's a business that has historically done four million five million a year and, and now you could be winning multiple contracts that could run anywhere from five to fifteen million dollars each in that business so there's a massive tailwind there that can dramatically improve that business or increase that business and see it grow. You know, the termic waste business is quite good. They're tendering quite actively. You know, those plants are anywhere from 20 to 40 million build-outs, you know, under the agreement they have. AGL just gets a commission and it's 100% margin because Termic pays the company a retainer for the purpose of being their agent here and it covers all the costs they put in to do the tendering. So it's almost, um, you know, costless revenue. So if you get a 20 or 30% deal and you get your 2%, you know, it's four, 500 grand when you land that tender and then you get paid to deliver it as well. But the real big kicker, which provides the optionality, is the water division as they've got a process for extracting PFAS out of water. What's PFAS? Uh, I'm not going to even try and say the technical name because I'll butcher it. But it's just crap, is it, that's in water that doesn't need to be there? Yeah, it's chemicals. So they're these fluoro-type chemicals. They've been around since the 50s, I think originally invented by 3M. They call them forever chemicals because they don't break down naturally. So once they get out there in the, the waterways, they just stay there forever until you remove them and destroy them. And they bioaccumulate, so it builds up over time. And these chemicals were very widely used. So a PFAS compound is essentially Teflon. Uh, they've been using firefighting foams, so people are probably familiar with you know, Fisfield in Victoria, which is a firefighter training site, and that was condemned essentially when they worked out PFAS was bad and how contaminated it was. And, you know, there's big remediation efforts. A lot of RA 
RAAF bases have the same problem and, you know, there's class actions against the federal government and the Defence Force that have been put to them because of that and how it impacts the community. So, and, you know, in the US, the problem's even bigger than they first thought and the EPA is very active over there. So it's a big global problem. You know, these chemicals are getting banned, heavily controlled use. A lot of companies have phased them out and now we're at a point where people call it the next asbestos, or some do, because there's now links to health risks for people. So it's becoming quite a big problem to deal with. And there's economic incentives being created for it, as evidenced by Transurban. Two-year delay, costing them who knows how much money on that Westgate tunnel project because they're two years behind. And the reason they're two years behind and haven't started tunneling is because the Victorian EPA said, work out what to do with your PFAS waste and your soils because you just can't dump it and shift the problem. You need to work out a proper solution for it. So we're at that point where PFAS is something of real concern and there's economic incentives being created to do something about it. And, you know, EGL with their solution, you know, in the process of trying to prove it commercially with a partner at Claim Waste, who's a subsidiary of 30XY, just a long-standing family-run waste management business here in Victoria, and, you know, if that's proven commercially at scale, you know, works not a couple of litres through a lab, but at 50, 100,000 litres per day treatment, you know, it'll provide a step change in the ability to treat PFAS because it'll make it super cheap and economic to do compared to current processes, which are a lot more expensive or cumbersome to manage as well. And they've got uh, plenty of growth potential overseas as well. They operate internationally. Yeah, yeah. So the TAPC division, Boltec, a lot of that work is offshore. Uh, well, TAPC is heavily skewed to Australia, but, you know, they're known as a leader in what they do. And, you know, that rare earth lithium build out, all of that's a global phenomenon. So understand they've won some work with some smaller rare earth groups based overseas in North America as part of engineering for builds there. You know, you got GE and other big Siemens active with the gas turbine build-outs across Asia and, and other parts of the world. And then the water business, you know, if it's proven on a commercial scale, you know, you can take that to the world as well. So I'd envisage that maybe you do a reverse agreement with Termic and Termic can take that to Europe for you and then you find someone who can take it to America on your behalf as well. So, you know, a lot of those key divisions either are active globally because it is a global trend and, a you know, they provide engineering services that, going to the same plants, the same everywhere in the world, or, you know, this new IP can be taken offshore as well with the right partner as well. I don't think they're going to empire build themselves internally on that. They're pretty smart in how they, they want to commercialise that. Is it a problem that there's been some insider selling recently? Well, I hope not. I've been buying those shares. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually not a good thing, though, the insider selling. Yeah, so... You know, Ellis stepped away from the business in February and was replaced by Jason. So, you know, I understand he's just, it's a lot older. He's left the business, moving on with his life, and then slowly monetizing this stock. Oh, so that's who's been selling, is, is it? The original owner of the business. Is that correct? Uh, he's the vendor of Boltec, and through that, he became the largest shareholder, was always on the board, on and off as the, you know, CEO, managing director. So he, he's fully removed from the business and is progressively selling down his shares as part of stepping away. Okay, so he wants to get the caravan out, does he? And Yeah, something, something like that. Maybe he's not a caravan guy and he'll want to go off somewhere on a plane. Who knows? I don't know well enough to comment on that, but that's just part of the transition. So we, we think of that as the 
you know, the old guard getting replaced with the new guard. And, you know, Jason, the new MD, owns just under 5% of the company himself. So, you know, we're seeing alignment with the new people. The new directors have been buying shares at this level. Some of them, I think, have picked off those shares coming out of Ellis. Uh, you know, we've been pretty active there and, you know, whatever stock we haven't bought from him or others who have been in the company for a long time and 10, 11 cents is attractive to them to sell and they want to move on. You know, there's other funds we understand and other big buyers of, of the stock. So it's just part of a register transition, old to new. And uh, they got a pretty good uh, balance sheet, haven't they? Uh, I thought it was decent at the full year result. You know, they had some timing issues with the delivery of boilers and getting paid and invoicing because of the New South Wales lockdown. So they wash their face, they pay their own bills, they can self-fund. You know, we don't think they come to market just to raise money to keep the lights on in that regard. So the balance sheet's good enough to run the business as is without, you know, I guess if the water works really well and they've got to go build multiple plants all at once because they get some big order, yeah, you couldn't fund that off the balance sheet. You may be raised for that. You know, there's acquisitions in the pipeline where you can just incrementally add scale to divisions like Tomlinson. So, you know, none of that could be self-funded. But the balance sheet's good enough to run the day-to-day as long as the growth isn't way too high, too fast, or you know, the business doesn't flop and I've got this whole thing wrong. <laughs> so what's um, uh, your Twitter handle? What's that mean? Barbell Carbon Neutral. <laughs> Is this your environmental weight training or...? No, no, no. So it's the, the barbell approach is you have two extremes. So at one end, I've got environmental companies, lithium, copper, you know, everything tied to decarbonisation. But, you know, the irony of those policies is that absolutely dramatically increase the price of fossil fuels and the value. So the barbell is you just have some dirty fossil fuels at one end, a lot of clean stuff at the other end. And by the magic of uh, mathematics and accounting, you're, you're net neutral. So it's just a bit of a, a joke on that approach to portfolio management in that regard. So I always have a bit of fun on Twitter. I'm not the serious, most serious person on there. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad I'm following you because um, I love FinTwit and love <laughs> interacting with the, the financial community on Twitter. It's a lot of great fun. In fact, I had an, a listener ask me the other day how to um, interact and he didn't realise about the dollar sign in front of ticker codes. So if anyone's listening, that's the way to follow it, isn't it, is to look out for particular companies and you put that dollar sign in front of the code. Yeah, that is. But what I found out in the last year, there's a crypto for every code. So, you know, you type in something like EGL and I think 99% of the posts are some random crypto or something like that. So you do have to be mindful of that. Sometimes it'll be dollar sign, the code dot AX or ASX people will do. So it's a few different variations to search for of that, but the dollar sign's the key one to put in there. Josh Baker, thanks very much for your time today. Excellent. Thanks, Phil. I'm glad to be on here and thanks for having me. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.